This episode is brought to you by Think Water Broom. Think Water are your local water experts for irrigation projects big and small. Their fully stocked retail store sells the latest irrigation products, including fittings, pipe, filtration and solar supplies. Covering the Kimberley and Pilbara regions of Western Australia, their knowledgeable and passionate team are experts in the design and implementation of the most water-efficient irrigation and water management programs across all sectors. Central Station Podcast, where we bring you stories of what life in the outback is really like and why many wouldn't live anywhere else. So pull up a stump, pop the billy on, or crack a cold one, as we talk to the men and women who call some of the most remote parts of Australia home. The Kemp family's involvement in the pastoral industry traces back to the 1800s, when Ernest Courtenay Kemp was in partnership with Sir Sidney Kidman. His nephew, Ernest Ravenscroft Kemp, ran away from home at the age of 12, joining him at the Peak Station. Between Ernest Ravenscroft Kemp and his son John Kemp, they served 100 years with the S. Kidman Pastoral Company. In this episode, the granddaughter of Ernest Ravenscroft Kemp, Helen, shares the story of her grandfather and father. Ernest Kemp was my grandfather. He was Ernest Ravenscroft Kemp. Um, He was born in South Australia at a place called Woods Point on the River Murray near Murray Bridge in South Australia. When he he was about 12, he... Dad said he ran away from home, from Morgan in South Australia, and he went to be with grandfather's uncle, my great-uncle, and his name was Ernest Courtenay Kemp, and he was my great-grandfather's brother. And Ernest managed the peak station, and he was in shares with Sir Sidney Kidman. So they went – so the grandfather went to – went to the peak when he was 12. And we've also got a piece, an artefact showing grandfather's initials scratched into a little piece of black rock, which um, a friend of dad's found. So that really sort of proves that he was at this place called Wood Duck. So at 12 years old, he runs away from home to go be with his uncle, who also shares the same name, Ernest. And that Ernest, did you say, sorry, was in partnership with Sydney Kidman? Yes. With the original. So yes. we talk about S. Kidman and Co., you know, that yes. company was um, a few years ago bought out by Gina Reinhart and some other people, but the original Sir Sydney, Sir Sydney Kidman. Yes, that's right. Direct links to your family. That's so cool. And so he was 12 years old. Where did – and so the peak is – Currently today, the peak is an outstation to Anna Creek. Well, it, it's not now because it's owned by um, another family. W- so, Williams, yes, yeah, yeah, it yeah. used to be. Yeah, so yeah. I think um, the Williams, who have written some stories on Central yes. Station, they're at well, one of the Williams mobs are at, um, the peak where I'm going to go visit in a couple of weeks, and then yeah, so that's kind of run with Anna Creek. So that's 
if just for some context, if people are wondering, and so that's northeast South Australia. Yeah. And um, uh, Ernest Courtenay's son had a little son died in a heat wave and he's buried at the peak. So, yeah, so that's lovely. Oh. His name was oh, Peveril. Peveril Kemp. <laughs> Where? I have never heard that word before in my life. No, Peveril. It's lovely, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So he died when he was, you know, baby in a big heat wave that was in northern, it was written up in all the papers in South Australia. So did he die from the heat? heat. Like he just yeah. perished? Oh, that's awful. Yeah. And we all know how hot it can get in that part of the world or anywhere in the desert, you know, it's not uncommon for it to be 50 degrees in the summer. So. Yeah, imagine having well, an we ex- as children we experienced that heat in the sixties when Unadetta uh, had the record temperature for Australia. I think it still holds that record. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah. so Ernest, I'll call him Ernest Junior. So your grandfather, who went to go live with Ernest Senior, his uncle, Uncle Ernest. Yes. So Ernest Junior, where did he go after? You know, so he's twelve years old. He arrives at the peak. Where and what did he do after that? Well, I think um, we're not sure of all the details. But um, he stayed around that Udnadatta area. There are photos of him in Udnadatta with all the people at the time because Udnadatta was the railhead for the railway line going north to Alice Springs. And he eventually went to two of the outstations of Macumba Station called Oringa and Hamilton, and he was at Oringa. And he stayed there um, till 1915. I'm not sure the date that he went there. And then he rode a horse overnight after receiving a telegram that had waited at a railway siding called Admenga. It had been there for two weeks and he, and the date on this telegram to said grandfather was to take over as manager of Macumba on this certain date in 1915. And it turned out that that day was the very next day. So grandfather rode a horse all night from Moringa to Macumba where he took over as manager the next morning at daylight. So, 1915, and he's born in 1885, so he would have been just 30 years old. Yes. Yeah. And you just get a telegram saying, we yeah. need you to be here tomorrow morning. You're going to be manager. Yes. And so what, and that was Macumba Station, do you, yes, did you say? Yes, Macumba Station. Yeah. The other man that was a, uh, the, uh, the manager at the time, he moved with his family to Fiji for some reason. Yes. Wow. And that was also, I guess, just, oh, during the First World War, that was a year into it. So that yes. would have been really, Interesting times, you know, how did that work? I'm sure there would have been a lot of people, you know, he's 30 years old, so he's a fit young man. He probably would have been in that age where you're expected to go off and serve. But obviously yeah. somebody had to stay behind and. Yeah, I think those sort of people were exempt because they were producing the beef and, and everything for the troops and, you know, for Australia, you know, so, um, so he stayed there as a manager. And during that, or just prior to that, he'd met his future wife's brother, who came to Udjadatta as a teacher, and um, his name was Will uh, Bill O'Connell. And my grandmother came up to visit her brother in Udjadatta, so that's how they met and they married. And And my dad was born in 1920 at Macumba Station, and he was born during a big rain event. And um, so, yeah, so I'm not too sure grandfather must have been there or could it probably wasn't mustering then or anything. So, yeah, so that's nice to know that Dad was born there. <laughs> yeah, and Grandfather Ernest would go on to spend the rest of his life at Macumba and your father as well. What was your father's name? My father's John. Mm-hmm. Yes, John was just born there. Yeah, and Grandfather, he stayed on and Dad went – actually, Dad went away f- during World War Two, and um, 
And I think the plan was for Dad to move to one of the other Kidman properties when he came back from the war in southwest Queensland. But that didn't happen because my grandmother died when Dad was overseas during the war. So, and then when Dad came back from um, New Guinea, Grandfather wasn't in a very good state of mind, I don't think. And Kidman's, um, which was Walter Kidman by then, uh, Kidman's said he could stay on as head stockman. Then grandfather died in another big rain event in 1955 on the 25th, 25th of July, 1955. So dad stayed on there as a manager until he left as Kidman's pastor inspector in Adelaide in 1965. So we're going to spend this episode talking a bit about your grandfather, but mostly about your father, John. So tell me, he he was born in 1920 and talk me through, I guess, you know, a bit of his life story from then on. I think in those days, because it was, you know, pack horses and mustering and Macumba was on the edge of the Simpson Desert, um, on the big rivers that flow into the, into the, into Lake Eyre. So, I don't really have that many. I can remember Dad coming home from mustering because they'd go out with a huge mustering plant of horses and then he'd come back and he'd always ride up on his horse and we would always go out to greet him at the, you know, at the front of the house. And, you know, mum's got photos of Dad with his leggings on and spurs and, you know, everything from coming home from this big muster. He'd be away for weeks and weeks. And I think they used to go out with a camel buggy loaded with all the goodies, you know, all their camp gear and everything. I suppose it was pack horses first and then, that, and then, uh, and then that. So, and in those days, the trucking yards were in Udnadatta. So they would walk the cattle into the trucking yards in Udnadatta and then they would go on the train to Adelaide to be sold in the markets in Adelaide. So, um, I have four, there's four of us in my family. I'm the eldest of four girls. So after, oh, during, during those years, um, I suppose mum was the, the big support. She always, we always seemed to have had a cook and everything, but mum was home all the time, running everything else at home. We had a lot of Aboriginal families that lived at Macumba. Um, they'd been there for many years. A lot of them had connections with dad from when dad was a little fella. He used to play with them. Um, a lot of the families, of those older Aboriginals um, are still in Udnadatta, so I see them every couple of years, I suppose, and so I'm able to share my, my family's photos with them, which they wouldn't have had otherwise. I think, yes, Dad, um, oh, I can, we have a photo of my dad laying in a big brass bed. He'd broken his leg, so he'd, I think he recuperated in a bed, so I'm not too sure how he actually did that. But um, Dad also went away to boarding school in Adelaide at Ross Trevor College. Yeah, so I, I guess he used to go on the GAN down there. I'm not too sure. Isn't that funny? I just can't recall him telling me, you know, how he used to travel. So I guess it was on the GAN, maybe fly as well. I'm not sure because the planes used to come through Udadatta from Adelaide to Lee Creek um, up to Udadatta. It was called the Milk Run, go to Alice Springs, Daly Waters, Catherine, Darwin. Yeah, so that's how the planes used to go. So Dad went to boarding school and then he came back, I guess, as head stockman or something to grandfather. And um, then Dad got called up to um, join the war effort in for World War Two. So Dad was in a transport division and, first of all, he did the uh, – um, 
from Alice Springs to to Darwin carting freight, I guess, all the stuff they needed to go overseas. He was due to go to Singapore, but Singapore fell. So then he went to Townsville, did some training. He ended up in Borneo. Um, he, um, I, I, I can remember hearing a story about the landing at Balakpapan or Balakapan in Borneo. And, um, he told me, um, this story, exactly the ones I'd heard someone else talk about it. So he was there. He didn't talk about much about the war. The one thing he did say, he said it was quite scary in Borneo. You'd look up in the trees and you could see these figures hanging in the trees. And he, first of all, you'd think it was the enemy, but it wasn't. It was the orangutans. <laughs> you know, poor things. I don't know how many of them got killed as well. Anyway, so then he went to New Guinea. But my mother had also enlisted in the um, Australian Army Women's Service and she ended up in Port Moresby. Um, during the war as, as well. She spent over 300 days in overseas during that time. So after the war, they both came back. Um, Dad came back to Macumba and Mum joined her cousin at a place called Wilburn Hill Station to be her companion and she'd married a fellow called Jack Giles. And Jack's brother, Phil, took mum to the races and his wife took mum to the races in Udadana. And dad said to Phil, because they'd been, we've had about three or four generations of being friends with the Giles family, and dad said, who's that woman over there with the skinny legs and yellow like me? So that was mum because she was yellow from taking quinine. So so what was that, sorry, that she was taking that made her yellow? It was the um, the quinine tablets that they used it for me to re- you know, so you wouldn't get malaria. Oh, okay. You know, so, in the tropics. Okay, yeah. yeah. So um, it made you quite yellow. It made you yellow. So. <laughs> I can't remember what. The, I the wonder if she had is. to adjust the color of her dress so that she didn't. You know, obviously, you wouldn't wear a yellow dress to the races if you've got yellow skin. Yeah. You'd want. To. Yeah. So they married in. Um, I was born in nineteen fifty. They married in nineteen forty nine. I think. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Wow. So your dad, and you, you'd mentioned earlier that after your dad came back from his participation in the war efforts for World War II, your, that, was that during then that your grandmother had died? And so your grandfather kind of wasn't doing very well and your dad came back and took over as manager? Yeah. yeah he took over as man. Oh, well, he was like a headstock or overseer or whatever they would call those positions then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so mum, mum, yeah, so mum came to live at the station and um, so I think mum was really well liked. She had empathy with everyone and she, you know, she got on well with everyone and joined in the sort of the helping out wherever she could. And, and know, so, so she'd originally come up to be a companion for her cousin. Cousin, cousin. yes. So what is a, a companion? That sounds so Victorian, you know, like oh. Downton Abbey, old oh, That's how days. they referred to it. Well, this, that's how um, – yeah, the cousin that mum went to to be with is Jean because I think Jean was used to the social life in South Australia in Adelaide, so she wasn't living, used to living out in the edge of the desert with all lots of stones and, and all that sort of, not many people around. And if you know where Marlebore is in South Australia, it was just out, the station was just out from there. And, um, yeah, so that's what, that's what mum, she just helped around the house and, you know, 
milked the cows or whatever they had and fed the potty calves and, and all of that, yeah. And so she hadn't been up there for very long when she met your father? Yeah, she at the races. So they used to be always held in May, so, yeah. Oh, that was and, good. And <laughs> mum, mum came from a little town in South Australia called Goolwa, which is right at the mouth of the River Murray. Yeah, so that was her little area, so... And then so your father takes over being manager of Macumba Station. In yes, in 1955 nine. after grandfather's death. Yes, so yes. tell me about that. Um, well, I suppose I, well, I suppose I don't really remember that much. He was he was I think he was um more office bound then than going out because that they had quite a few stockmen. We had stockmen who used to stay two, three, four years, you know. So mum had a cook. She was a f- family friend from um, Gore in South Australia. And we had Anne, our cousin, her niece, that came up to be my governess. And we had two, two my sisters and I had oh, two other governors, two or three governesses after that as well. And a lot of those girls and, and the stockmen are still friends to this day. Grandfather died during this big rain event in 1955. The only thing I can remember about that day was mum kept telling us to be quiet and grandfather used to spoil us and she always wondered why we wanted to have our afternoon rest. We were quite happy to go off and lay down on our bed. And we, she found out later grandfather used to put lollies under our pillows <laughs> so that we could have our little rest. But anyway, this day she kept telling us to be quiet. We, I don't think I'd realised that grandfather had died at that stage. And my cousin from Alice Springs, John, he was actually there at that time and I'd forgotten about that. I don't know why we couldn't remember things like children too today. They can just remember everything at that age at five. But I, you know, just, just flashes, flashbacks every now and then. Anyway, so that was sad. So mum sent out Stockman. A previous to him dying, he'd, he'd asked mum to, his mum sent a letter or grandfather sent a letter to come home. He wanted to see dad, but it was raining. He was out on the edge of the Simpson desert. They didn't have a two way radio in the camp. Anyway, then grandfather passed away and mum sent someone else out in a vehicle to go and look for Dad. And um, so he'd never, ever got that first letter, that he got got the note to say he'd, Grandfather had passed away. So, so Dad set off a big trip around the edge of the sandhills to avoid the floodwaters and et cetera, and um, he eventually got home. But by this time, Grandfather's body had been sent to Adelaide, um, I guess Mum had lots to do with the organisation of the funeral and and everything, and he had been buried in the West Terrace Cemetery in Adelaide before Dad even got home, you know, which was pretty sad for him, I think. And um, and there was a big uh, memorial service over the Royal Flying Doctor Network from Port Augusta, I believe. Yes. Oh wow! So you could have a, a memorial service over two way radio. Yeah. From the flying doctor base in in uh, uh, Port Augusta, so Mum said the only disappointment she forgot to ask her cousin Jean, who could um, take down shorthand to write um, write down to a family friend, Reverend Skipper Partridge, who did that memorial service. So I just wonder if if that 
a eulogy could have been in the in the um his archives in the archives somewhere. Yeah. That must have been incredible for your mum, you know, an incredible pressure having a couple of kids running around, she's still trying to run the homestead and then and then the grief of losing your father in law and then also back in those days, you know, you're on a station, you're fairly far from town and then you've got a, a body. I mean, there's no nice way to say that. You've got a yeah. body you've got to do something with. Yeah, so she had friends in Udna Dad and we had a telephone though at Macumba. That was, was Macumba one. And uh so yeah, she maybe I didn't sit down with her and sort of I should have, you know, and asked her more questions about it, but I didn't. And you sort of you think about those things later mm. and you sort of regret them. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, there's so many things that I'm sure we wish we, if you could just go back in time, even like just as a little ghost and just kind of hover and watch, watch what's going on back then. Mm. I used to enjoy the times, um, you know, after dad retired when his friends who, um, f- who used to work with him were Stockman, who took over as manager, George Birchmore and his son Gary. And then there was Gary Page, who used to be, um, work on Macumba and they'd been long-term friends. You know, they'd sit around and start, start talking and you go, wow, you don't hear these stories until those sort of fellas all sit together. Yeah. So. And so your dad would have been about 40 years old when he took over as manager of Macumba. Yeah. And you were the first, are you the eldest child? I'm the sorry? eldest, yes. Yeah. I, and I was born in 1955. Yeah. And then there's, there's the next one two years later. Next one was born in 1954. And then Claire, my youngest, so we have me and Jane. And Claire was born in 1959. Wow. Uh, yeah. So, so, and by that time I was at boarding school. In Adelaide. So tell me about life growing up on the conversation with your dad and with your mum and dad in the fifties and the and the sixties. Well, they were sort of different times, weren't they? I mean, I did. We didn't really get to see other kids very much. Although our cousins, um, Uncle Bob's daughters, Pauline, Ricky, and Robin, they lived at Mount Barry Station, which was between Udnadatta and Cooper PD. But we only saw them, say, at the races, maybe um, to the Australian Inland Mission fate they used to have in in Data. and then but then we we all used to get together travelling on the GAN when we went to boarding school. I went to boarding school when I was year six primary school, so we went on the plane on the TAA plane first to Adelaide, and then later on, a couple of years later, we all travelled on the GAN together, going down to Adelaide where we overnighted on the GAN and um, had a sleeper. And then we changed trains at Marie. Then we changed trains at Port Augusta, I think. Yes, yeah. So they were they were they were fun days. So Dad, when we used to come back from boarding school, Dad used to always make sure we had our horses were in the yards. And I had an Aboriginal lady who used to just love me. She never had any children. Her name was Mary. And the first thing I had to do was get on my horse and ride down and see Mary because she used to carry me everywhere and when I was a baby. So that was my first job to see Mary. I used to call her Mary I, I think. <laughs> so that was lovely. Yeah, she's um there's a little plaque to her in Udnadatta, so that's nice. She's one of the traditional elders, yes. Yeah, so. I guess the days when we were children growing up, we used to see the, the, this camel buggy loaded off us to go off mustering and you'd, They'd go everywhere and mum's got photos of those buggies full of the, 
all the supplies and so, so and what's sweats. a camel buggy well it's just a trailer with four wheels and a shaft and they used to a harness four camels to the buggy so it was instead of having a tractor or a truck i suppose it was and the camels used to go they used to have a driver for the uh, for the for the buggy, oh, so, like, or so bun like a, cart they sometimes they refer so like to it a as. horse and cart, but it's a camel. Camels, and cart. yeah. Oh wow! Because there were lots of camels around them from the you know left over from the days when they used to have the big camel trains and used to cart all the um, equipment for the overland telegraph and for the railway line, and um, and the and the Afghan hawkers used to travel around with camels selling their wares, you know, from packs on the camels. So there was always lots of camels and. Um, there was a camel. There was a um, a book, a register of race of horses, and uh, and even in, in the back of that book, there was a list of all the camels with their brands and everything. So, so off they'd go in the camel wagon, and they'd meet up at lunchtime at the camp wherever they were mustering, and 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 all the the men's swags were on that. Prior to that, I guess it was stock horses, um, the stock horses and the um, uh, mules or Donkeys or mules money, I think, um, that carried the swags on packs. But this was the, their modern way. Until, yeah. Until a truck came in or a tractor pulled the the trailer. So the differences between when your grandfather was out mustering, mm. well, even when he came to the peak as a twelve year old, and then your father when he was young, to when your father managed, to when your grandfather died, the changes in yeah, it was would have changing, been extraordinary. Yeah. And it was a huge place. Macumba was very, very. Very, very big. So, and most of the time when I was growing up, it was in a lot of drought time. So it was so exciting to see rain and green grass, you know, in the, so, and some of that I missed because I was away at boarding school, went away to boarding school when I was, um, yeah, year six, ten, I guess I was. So that was pretty young, I guess. But there was nothing else around. We were on Port Augusta School of the Air. Um, I was one of the first pupils on Port Augusta School of the Air. And um, so I can remember going to the Port Augusta School of the Air reunion for 40 years and and I'm going, looking around, I'm going, my cousin could remember, you know, the first day in school of the year, but I couldn't. And then I discovered when I went to this reunion that mum had, uh, dad had sent a telegram to the school of the year, sorry, we won't be able to talk on the radio today, we can't, the aerial's not working. So I guess that momentous event, because I wasn't, didn't speak on the air, it didn't mean much to me that day. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that was, that was good. So, um, what else did we do? We always had our horses we rode. We had some lovely horses over the years. So it was sad when we went, um, to, when I went to boarding school and we went, when we eventually moved to Adelaide, dad moved to Adelaide in 1965. He got promoted by Kidman's as pasture inspector and he had to move to Adelaide for that position. So he used to go travel to all the stations in southwest Queensland and in South Australia. So that was a sad day for me. I, I was just devastated when he told me that he had to move to the head office, <laughs> but it was a promotion to him. And it, in that day and age, girls, you know, they, you didn't have girls, didn't seem to have girls on those sort of places, you know, working in the stock camps like it is now. It's totally different. Yeah. So that would have been, so sorry, the 60s, so 19, about 1965, yeah. you're 10, you're at boarding school and then you just get told, got a promotion, moving to the city. Yeah. 
That's that's right. So, um, did you get to go back home for a final time to kind of pack up, or was it? Or did sort it all of. I think sort of. We went back. Um, I didn't go to Mum and Dad's um, farewell, but I think, and it wasn't until I started working as a governess that I did go back on the train once to Oonadatta for a while. And in those days, the Stuart Highway wasn't sealed either. So it was, you know, it was a big trip if you wanted to. And you had, I didn't have a car when I was governessing up at Phillip Creek. Um, yeah. So it was many years before it was easier to drive. You know, we got the bitumen and the nice sealed highway all the way to Adelaide. And so what, what was involved in your father's job when he was promoted to, is it, was it called pastoral inspector? Yeah. In those days, it was a pastoral inspector. He just went to all the properties, um, just, checking the cattle, I guess, and the books and talking to the staff and, yeah, so all of those to see how the country's going and and everything because in those days those managers were seemed to be long-term. I think we end – I think there was two or three of the fellows that used to work at Macumba ended up as managers in southwest Queensland and, um, and all of those blokes and their families on – my sisters and I are still friends with, and we see them on a regular basis, which is lovely. So, if your if your grandfather Ernest Kemp came to Macumba in 1915, and your father John Kemp left Macumba in 1965, that's 50 years of your family being on Macumba Station. That is, I think I think they worked it out that it was 100 years between both of them that they'd served for the Kidman Empire, and we have some. You know, they were very formal, those letters. Dad used to write off letters every – and Grandfather did two reports um, to Sir Sidney, then later his son, Walter. Um, in 1932, there was a, another big drought and Grandfather spent most of that year in the top end of – up in here in the Northern Territory. And I've got a um, carbon copy book of his when he used to write back to Sir Sydney, you know, what cattle he'd bought and which drover he'd put them, sent them with and how many killers that they, the beasts they killed on the way, you know, for their food. And, yeah, it's very, it's terrible writing. It's really hard to understand. <laughs> I had to try and transcribe it one day. Typical bloke. <laughs> yeah. So what brought him to the top end in the third? So there was well, the see, th- I think, yeah, they used to go and source cattle because we used to, as a matter of fact, because you, you, because you would know, um, Yida Station, <laughs> they bought bullocks from Yida and Kidman's bought and they came to Macumba and they had them there. Just imagine that every day they go, oh, what are we doing today? Mm, Going walking again, you know, for another how many miles I did those days. So So they bought them all because I always remember uh, Dad telling me how they had to employ a fellow called – I'm just just my mind's gone blank at the moment. He used to track ride them, keep an eye on these cattle so they wouldn't walk. I suppose they were so used to walking for however months they did it from Western Australia down to Udnadana. I suppose they put them in the on the train at, at Alice Springs in those days. And um, Kidman's used to buy cattle from Newcastle Waters, and and the Newcastle Waters have a distinctive brand, the wine glass. Mm-hmm. So I can remember hearing Dad say. Well, get that big, bally wine glass bullock today for a killer, you know. So, and it wasn't, you know, it's this funny thing. It wasn't until I went to Phillip Creek as governess that I re- and Muckety that I realised the wine glass 
was the Newcastle Waters? Because I didn't know where Newcastle was then, Newcastle Waters. <laughs> wow. So in the 1930s, you've got this ledger from your grandfather when he was up in the top end and then over in the Kimberley. So for people listening who aren't familiar, Yeeta Station is kind of between Broome and Derby. So yeah. coming all the way from the West Kimberley across and then he's sourcing cattle along the way and then Newcastle Waters is sort of 600 k's south of Darwin, um, I think. Yeah, it's – um. 500 to 10 at, what's that, 130? Yeah, 600 and something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so just – and so Udnadana was in drought and they're out sourcing cattle, hope for for when the drought's over, I suppose. Yeah. So these big old bullocks, you know, you just imagine them walking all that way from Western Australia. It's amazing, that isn't is it? That is a huge – I mean, it's a big drive in a car these days. It's a couple of days' drive, let alone – Yeah, walking months and months. Months and months. And I suppose they would just wake up in the morning and think, oh, we better start walking again. Well, just to get there in the first place, really, <laughs> to get there with nothing and then to pick up the cattle and turn around and come back. And so your, your grandfather would have been away for months and months, months and months yeah. at a time. So imagine your grandmother – Having to keep yeah, well, she the was there on her own with three children, you know. In those, you know, with, with Auntie Pat was the eldest. Dad was what, a couple of years later. So yeah, so she was there. You know, Dad, grandfather had a headstock when his name was uh, he was Aboriginal um, Afghan, and his name was Alf Maynard, and his wife Jessie. She she grandma taught her how to sew because grandma was a, a seamstress. And Jessie had a um, – she bought her a singer sewing machine. She used to make all the clothes, circuit clothes and everything. But um, so I guess that she had all that company, you know, and um, – but still that was – I guess she drove. I'm not too sure. <laughs> it's absolutely wild. Yeah. I think I think they must have had a – she had a reasonable um, – she had a social life, I think, going from some of the photos that I've seen and everything. So – but it was different times, wasn't it? Absolutely. I guess I would have loved to know my grandfather more, and I'd love to. Grandfather didn't even know my grandmother because she died. Dad's mum, yeah. So, yeah, and so you would have been about five when your grandfather died. Yeah, but I was got, five. At least you've got those memories of him leaving the the lollies under your pillow. Yeah. And the other nice thing about my grandmother, um, she was her family were uh, her her father was a Irishman. He was a um, teacher in South Australia that came out from Ireland, but. Um, we also had Grandma Kemp had her a piano that were given, I think, when yeah, grandfather and her, she married, and that was in at Macumba as well. And later it went to my aunt in Alice Springs, and that's another big story. And that piano is still in the, I think, the Pioneer Women's Hall of Fame in Alice Springs. Mm. Wow. Yeah. We talk about how different things were back in those days, but your grandfather. Ernest Kemp, Irvin Ravenscroft Kemp. Yeah. What a name. What a fabulous name. Would have just seen such a huge, you know, in his lifetime, things would have been so different. So born in 1885, passed away 1955, um, you know, starting from, you know, like you said, horses and, and camels and, camels and, yeah. and donkeys and then, you know, having motor cars and, and, just everything, and, and the in the invention of two way radios. Do you remember mm. him? You know, how did he handle the you know such big changes in such a short period of time in one lifetime? Well, well I guess I, 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 he must have. Um, there's lots of stories actually I have with journalists that wrote up in papers in New South Wales, uh, in South Australia. So you get a sort of snapshot of 
what they were involved in. In those days, you know, there were always parliamentary um, groups growing through, you know, looking at the railway and, and, and everything. And then um, uh, Grandfather was always reporting on the state of the, you know, the cattle trucks and, you know, try and keep the cattle, don't overheat them and, you know, the, the time it took for them. Because in those days the cattle went on the trucks, on the rail trucks, and then they used to have a drover with them, a train drover used to go down. They used to keep look after the welfare of the cattle going through. So, um, so they were pretty knowledgeable fellows. I think they, a lot of those people, like um, his his uncle E. C. Kemp, you know, they were. He used to um, correspond with um, Frank Gillen, who's. No, ran Alice Springs and Telegraph Station, the historians and everything. They had lots to do with – I got to know this lady whose grandfather rode – he was German, rode a, a bike, a push bike from Adelaide up to Darwin. And anyway, I, his name was um, Ryko, the biker they used to refer to him. And I'm going – I Googled my grandfather's name and I'm going, oh, how come grandfather would have known him? But this man turned out he was a pumper. They used to keep the water up to the big tanks for the steam for the steam trains, and you know, and grandfather was quoted well. He was this man was growing all different sorts of seeds of different trees and everything, and um, and of course grandfather was saying you must grow the type of trees, the seeds from the trees from the local area because nothing else will grow, which, you know, so they were all pretty knowledgeable. They'd picked up all of that sort of stuff and they were interested in anthropology and, you know, the. I think they even talked about seeing, you know, the night parrot, you know, you pick up all of this stuff, you know. So I was God, I wish I was born, but, you know, <laughs> way back then so I got to ask all those questions. Grandfather was always interested in racehorses as well, so I think they all were in those days, you know. So we've got, um, you know, he, him was um, part of the Union Data Race race Club and, and Dad sort of always loved racehorses as well. And um, so I think, you know, Grandfather, I think all the, you know, people say, oh, they were hard on all their staff and everything and um, Dad Grandfather had sheep, ran sheep with Sir Sidney Kidman. And when Sir Sidney Kidman died, they had to sell all the sheep. Um, that was the deal. But they used to have Aboriginal, um, shepherds. And, um, one day grandfather came home and mum said, Dad, why haven't you got any shoes on? Oh, poor Lofty didn't have any shoes on. He was just walking around in bare feet and grandfather gave him his shoes, you know, <laughs> so. <laughs> oh. Poor, poor thing. And then there were great things, you know, like talking about anthropologists and people who were, um, interested in the country and sort of all new and everything then. So Sydney Kidman got dad, uh, grandfather to, um, supply two or three camels to a lady called Philippa. Um, oh, I think her, her, her brother was the governor of South Australia. Philippa Bridges, and she rode. A, she wanted to ride a camel from Macumba to Tennant Creek. She couldn't go any further from Tennant Creek because some of the trees north of Tennant Creek, if the camels ate them, they died from poison. So Philip Philippa went with two Aboriginals, a couple from Macumba, and one turned out to be a Warramunga from Tennant Creek. 
And so they went with her, accompanied her all the way. She rode this, these camels up there with these two Aboriginals. And then they went back, took the camels back to, I don't know how she ended up getting to Darwin. Then they just went straight back to Udnadatta again, you know, and he used to do expeditions with, um, anthropologists. Um, at, he had to, um, one was a, oh, geologist, anthropologist, and they had to drive a buggy, go from Macumba to Crown Point to Chambers Pillar, you know, the big Chambers Pillar just south of, out of Alice Springs near Deepwell. And, um, so that's, and just recently, oh, and a fellow called Captain White, he was another, he was interested in birds and explorer and he would have been a sea captain. And so grandfather went with two Aboriginal fellows whose relations are still in Udnadatta. And then only about five years ago, I managed, by chance, I managed to meet this Captain White's son who's still alive in South Australia. So they're all very interested and there's all these beautiful photos, you know, different rock formations and geology stuff. So they were all interested in all this sort of stuff and I guess Grandfather knew the lay of the land. He'd been around that country for a long time. So his life, his, you know, his job was so much more than managing a cattle station, well, and, and you know, running that country like he would be involved yeah. in all these other avenues. Yeah, and he, they used to do the books, never had a bookkeeper. They did it themselves. Um, Dad said Grandfather could could add up two columns at a time. In a ledger, <laughs> down the page. <laughs> yeah, so, so that you know, I don't think he would have had much schooling at twelve if he'd left at school. You know, twelve. But they all seem to to manage to get on and be able to write. And and I think the Kemp family had come from pretty learned people in in England. And Dad said that grandfather often had a copy of Shakespeare in his swag. <laughs> wow, that's yeah. impressive. That's especially because that's quite hard to read, even if you finish school, let alone if you're leaving at 12. Yeah. How did Ernest feel about technology? I mean, there would have been quite some advances during his lifetime, moving from horse and buggy to, you know, motor cars and trucks, but also, you know, the, the two way radio only really came into use through the Royal Flying Doctor Service in the 1940s and, you know, he passed away in 1955. Yeah. So that was sort of, you know, he would have been a good, you know, well into his 60s by then. And I think I think they were pretty stubborn and said, oh, you know, we can't have that two-way radio. Everyone will know where you are or we'll go in and the neighbours will be, could steal your cattle, you know, up on this boundary because they know you're down on the, the southern boundary or the east boundary or the western boundary, you know. So, yeah, so... um so I think, although I don't know, when we were children, we had a, a radio. We used to listen to the ABC because you could listen to the country air and Blue Hills and things like that. So, but I'm not too sure whether when I was five, whether that was, whether we used to listen to the radio then. I can't remember. We had a radiogram. We used to listen to records, I think, you know, the old disc ones. So yeah, so I'm not quite sure. So it's, it sort of was a different era, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Not like now everyone's. All the social media, the radio's going all the time. Well, I stream all day, stream my hearing aids. I was just about to say, we talk about, you know, the, the change in technology through your grandfather and your father's lifetimes, but also just through your lifetime, starting off with, you know, black and white TV and a two way radio and then, you know, school of the air over a two way. And now yet, like you said, you can connect your hearing aids through Bluetooth to 
to your phone to listen to some really good podcasts yeah. like uh, this one. <laughs> when I was governessing at Phillip Creek for, for Robin and Stephen Cadzo, we had to do school of the year. Um, you'd get a 10-minute window a day or whatever it was. But if there was a medical came on, a medical emergency, that was all finished. You didn't have to do that. You just had to go back to your your um, paperwork you know, that, that came up from South Australia from the correspondence school. So that changed. And when we got... When I remember being at Muckety, we got the telephone on. Wow, we could even use the telephone to talk to the teachers, you know. So, yeah. you know, those years, it wasn't that many because I was in the 60s that I went to, came to the Territory first. So there was a big advancement, wasn't it, in those mm-hmm. 10 years when, when, from when I had school of the year in the mid-50s, yeah. So in 1965, your father, John Kemp, was promoted within Kidman & Co to pastoral inspector. So he was... Would have been 40 years old then, 1960. No, 50 years old. 50, yeah. He would have been 50 years old. Um, where, you know, how much longer did he stay working for Kidman? I'm just trying to think. Um, yeah. Until, until yeah, like, he, the 1970s. And he was or? pastor inspector that he stopped that. Then he was just a direct, he was a director of some of the companies. Um, yeah, so he's, he stayed there. So he didn't do so much. So much traveling there was, uh, George Birchmore took on and everything. So, and then he just uh, used to go every now and then. And mum and dad moved to the coast to where mum's family was from. So, yeah. So, and dad always had that interest of went to the races every Saturday. And, um, yeah, so I can remember when dad first, we all came to the, when he took on this position and we were at boarding school. Then I, I left and I went to business college for a while. Dad loves shopping. Just love shopping. Mum hated it. Every Saturday we used to go. <laughs> really? What what kind of shops? Just do all the do all the grocery shopping, and oh, we just loved it because Dad loved buying things for us. You could ask him; he'd buy it. You know, he did. Mum, he'd buy Mum clothes and everything. <laughs> I, I, maybe. I couldn't believe if someone from the bush, you know, like that. Yeah, but I guess he, he'd been his whole life without it. Must have been a huge novelty for him. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So I was, yeah, and I, I. Left and went to the Territory in 1967. Yeah, came here to the Territory. So then my sisters were home and I only, sometimes I didn't come home for Christmas. So yeah, so that was a big, big lifestyle change for dad, you know, and mum, I guess too. And mum was pretty sick in those years as well. She wasn't well. So dad, it was great. We'd go, I, I often used to go to the races with him when I used to come home at Christmas and everything. So dad's job in those years, he'd had Sometimes mum used to go with him. They used to do this big inspection tour. They used to go up and meet all the families and check out all the places and guess they had to write reports for the company and, and everything. Yeah. So, but I don't think he ever liked going back to Macumba. I don't think he ever went back there. Oh, his home. Yeah, yeah. He wouldn't, he wouldn't go back. <laughs> It's so funny that often happens, doesn't it? Yeah, just just hard to see it change so, with yeah, other people. So he was born there and, you know, grandfather died there and, yeah, so. So I think Dad was um, a very loyal person. I think he took on board a lot of people who had a lot of maybe problems and everything, and probably a lot of those we don't even know. You know, he was he was a JP. He, I think he was pretty soft at heart. You know, he, if he'd get cross with us or get angry, he'd go, go to your mother. <laughs> I don't think he liked he liked um, disciplining us very much. And and I had many years. Coming home for every Christmas holiday, you know, when I've been working for the government for 30 years, I used to come home, especially towards the end of their mum's life and dad's life. I used to spend quite a bit of time with them. So, so that was very nice. And he'd tell you some things and some things he wouldn't tell you. And you 
try to get it out of him, but he wouldn't. But <laughs> he passed away in yeah, 2012. So you always sort of you always regret that you hadn't asked them this or asked them that. But I've been trying to do family history and gather a bit here and then. I used to write things down and and everything. So. So that's good memories. So 1920 to 2012, that's 92 years old. Yes. What an incredible years. run. Yeah, his birthday is in August. Yeah, so he, he just missed out on his 90, 92nd. Yeah, it was 91. Yeah, it's just wild to think that, you know, he'd be 101 this year. A huge history of the Kemp family at Macumba Station and this is just our first episode with you, Helen, so we'll have oh, you back you. on the show <laughs> to talk about some more of your story. I'm so glad we've got some of your dad and your granddad's story down for everyone to listen to and we'll come back and uh, learn a bit more about you. Thank you, Steph. Ag Workforce specialises in recruiting for agricultural jobs including farm work, station work and agribusiness across Australia. View current jobs, advertise a position or register as a job seeker at agworkforce.com.au. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or leave us a review. It really helps other people find our podcast. You can find our website at centralstation.net.au, where we have over 1,200 stories published from across Northern Australia. All of our podcast episodes a tourism directory for visiting an outback cattle station, and training and employment resources. We're on Facebook at Central Station, True Stories from Outback Australian Cattle Stations, and we're on Instagram at centralstation.net.au, and we're also on Twitter at Central Station 6. To discuss this episode with other listeners, head on over to our Facebook group, Central Station Podcast.